Hallelujah. I welcome once again to uh, the House Fellowship tonight. Um, this evening we are going to uh, go into uh, the first uh, subtopic um, of our series, How to Receive Miracles from God. And this subtopic, like I mentioned last week, is um, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. We will be learning about Thanksgiving. But just before we start, I just want to um, you know, give us a background of what uh, we're going to be doing over the next um, few weeks. Um, if you can you know, use your imagination while I speak, you can just uh, think of a, a child that has a piece of paper uh, with a drawing that is not fully completed and with dots you know with dots on the piece of paper and you now give that child this uh, uncompleted drawing and you then say to the child that the child should join the dots but before the child begins to join the dots the child might not have a good picture a good idea of what that drawing is going to end up as hallelujah but as the child continues to join the dots in fact by the time the child goes halfway the child will begin to realize that oh 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 i know this one i know this one that this is oh this is what that they were trying to get me to draw here so as we go along in this series the holy spirit is going to be helping you to connect the dots the dots of things that you had seen before so it's not like you're going to hear something you've never heard before but you are going to see how the dots join together and how they make a complete picture of how you know to work in the miraculous and another thing again i want to say is that the things we are going to learn will also help us to um, grow into maturity as believers because just like in natural life people have to grow and develop same thing too in spiritual life we also have to grow and um, develop so and the the things you do that are acceptable at the age of one are no longer acceptable at the age of four because there is an expectation from everyone around that you would have developed um, from what you were three years ago. I'll give you an example. Um, a child of three months, a three-month-old child, when the child wants to ask for something, what's the child going to do? It's just going to cry. That's all the child can do, is to cry. But as time goes on, and time goes on, there is an expectation that this child would have developed to a point now that if the child then begins to cry that is no longer acceptable as the means of communication because we now expect the child to be able to articulate a few things and say this is what i want or beginning to point to what he or she wants and also you also get to an age where the child then has to articulate clearly that this is exactly what i want same thing too in spiritual things when we come into christ any way 
in which we decide i mean that we begin to seek god is acceptable but after a while god then has that expectation that we would have developed and learned something and consumed and digested milk and developed to a point where we can communicate better i'll give you an example when i first got saved when i felt anything in my body i'll go to the people that i respected you know members of the fellowship and i tell them that oh i can feel this pain in my body please can you pray for me and they will pray for me and i got healed but i just noticed after a few months that when i went to these people i kept going and when i went to them they prayed for me and i didn't get healed so i was wondering what exactly is going on so as i began to pray in the spirit i was just praying in the spirit it was then i began to discover that god expected me to have matured and to have grown out of that level into being able to speak his word to my own body and receive healing so i then decided to pray for myself and lay hands on that part of my body and then i got healed so from then on i didn't go to these people anymore so it means that i had learned i developed a little bit and then i'm now communicating differently to god from how i did when i first got saved hallelujah so this is so these sort of things that we're going to learn will help us in our you know christian development so let's go into business straight away thanksgiving let's turn our bibles to exodus chapter 17 now what happened here is this was immediately after uh, the train of israel had um, left um, the land of egypt and they had crossed the red sea and when they crossed the red sea they were so excited they were jumping and you know jubilating and rejoicing and singing and you know singing all sorts of songs to god but then after a while reality began to set in and they didn't have water to drink and then they began to say to moses you know all sorts of things but let's look at exodus 17 i will read from verse 8 now on record this is the first war this is the first battle that the children of israel fought in the wilderness hallelujah up to that point they had not fought any war up to that point they had just come fresh out of egypt and everything was going rosy rosy until they began to hit you know some stops so let's see what happened then came amalek and fought with israel in rephidim and moses said unto joshua choose us out men go out and fight with amalek tomorrow i will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of god in my hand so joshua did as moses had said to him and fought with amalek and moses aaron and or went up to the top of the hill and it came to pass that when moses held up his hand that israel prevailed and when he let down his hand amalek prevailed but moses hand were heavy and they took a stone and put it under him and he sat thereon and aaron and Hor stayed up his hands the one on the other side one side and the other on the other side and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun and joshua discomfited as in he defeated amalek and his people with the edge of the sword and the lord said unto moses 
this was after the first battle was done and there's something in the bible called the law of first mention that when something happens the first time pay particular attention to how that thing was arranged and the lord said unto moses write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of joshua for i will utterly put out the remembrance of amalek from under heaven and moses built an altar and called the name of it jehovah nisi for he said because the lord had sworn that the lord will have war with amalek from generation to generation so we see that the first thing here after the first battle was won god told moses write it down and then he said rehearse it rehearse means say it continuously say it repeatedly into the ears of the children of israel that from generation to generation amalek is going to arise in one shape or the other but i will always destroy amalek but they should rehearse that victory to the children of israel hallelujah so this gives us a lesson here that every time god brings you across a major battle it is time for you to rehearse it rehearse means that you are recalling it you are recounting what happened and you are thanking god for it he says rehearse it that's continually say it continually remind yourselves of this victory write it down and rehearse it write it down and rehearse it write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of joshua hallelujah now for the rest of this evening we're now going to find out why did god expect or why did god command these people to rehearse that victory why is it important that when we gain a victory when we gain a victory why is it important for us to rehearse it and continually say it let's turn to psalm chapter 78 and we're going to read quite a few verses of scriptures this evening psalm 78 verses 1 to 12 write this in a memorial and rehearse it in the ears of joshua so every time god gives you a victory you should rehearse it you should recall it you should thank god for it let's go to psalm 78 read verses 1 to 12 give ear hold my people to my law incline your ears to the words of my mouth i will open my mouth in a parable i will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us can you see now rehearsing our fathers have told us you see this is one of the things that god used in bringing truth down the generations what did he say about abraham he says i know that he will teach his children my ways he said it about him so you can see what's going on here it says and our fathers have told us we will not hide them from their children 
showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. So your your that's their assignment in every generation was to rehearse everything that God had done right from the time that God took them across um, across the Red Sea and all those victories had to be rehearsed to the next generation. And then he went on to say, For he has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. And what was that? Which he commanded our fathers. That they should make them known to their children. Did you see that? So, And that's what the Jews do. The Jews will sit their children down and tell them that this is what our fathers told us. You know, they will tell them the story of how they crossed the Red Sea. They will tell them the story of how all the feasts were enacted. They will tell them about those victories. They will tell them about Abraham. They will tell them about Moses. They will tell them about David. We are still going to get to the reason why God was asking them to do all this. As we read on. And he says that the generation to come might know them even the gen, even um, even the children which will be born who should arise and also declare them to their children that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments you see that is the reason so God expects us that once you receive a victory, you continually rehearse it to yourself and to, you know, well, in, in the case of the Israelites here, to their children. But why is he asking us to do that? He said so that we can have hope in God, so that we can set our hope in God. Now, what is the opposite of not setting your hope in God? The opposite is that you are discouraged. What is hope? Hope simply means a picture of your expectation, what you are expecting. So, if that picture is absent, it means you are discouraged. It means you don't have hope. It means that you can't see a better tomorrow. So, it means that hope, not having hope means that you cannot see a better tomorrow. So the reason why God is expecting us to rehearse our victories continuously is so that we can set our hope in Him. So that helps our hope. So when people give testimonies in church, what happens is that you have hope that, you know, supernaturally, that ah, if God did this thing for this person, definitely it can also be done for me. Definitely mine too is coming. So that's the reason why testimonies are to be rehearsed. That is the reason. So that we can set our hope in God. So that we can set our hope in God and not forget the works of God. You see, many times when we are in the midst of a battle, when we forget the works of God, we think that this thing is not doable. Why? Because when we forget the works of God, we think this thing just came down from nowhere. And they, I mean, how is God going to resolve this? This thing looks so big to me. 
But when you rehearse the past victories that God has given you, once you are faced with that situation, it will look very small to you. It will look achievable. It will look doable. That's one reason why God expects us to continually rehearse the things that He has done for us. That we don't forget it. He says they forgot the works of God. People who forget the works of God lose their hope in the face of the current battle. So once you have a current battle and you are confused about what to do, it is time for you to bring back the memory of your past victories and begin to rehearse them. And as you rehearse them, you will remember the works of God and your hope within that battle will be set in God. This is a powerful principle. And then let's uh, read on. He says, I might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. Let me explain that to you. The children of Ephraim, they were armed with bows and arrows and the Bible says that they turned back in the day of battle. Let me explain that to you. Here is my country. We have armed ourselves with bows and arrows and we say we want to go and fight a war. We know that the enemy is over there and they are waiting and we want to fight them. But the Bible is saying here that even though these people were armed with bows and arrows, that they could not see a picture of victory. They could not see themselves coming out victorious in that battle, so they turned back. So God was now looking at them. You know, it's like this scripture, God is looking at them from his own perspective and thinking that with these bows and arrows these people could have defeated the enemy but because they forgot the works of god they turned back and they ran away so people who do not have the habit of thanking god and rehearsing their victories will easily admit defeat when they see the next battle and say oh we can't do it but meanwhile they are armed with bows and arrows they are armed with dangerous bows and arrows they are armed with the word of god that the enemy fears they are armed with the name of jesus that the enemy cannot resist but yet they will turn back why because they forgot the works of god the children of ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle it's just like when the U.S. forces went to attack Saddam and in Iraq. And then they are, fa- they are flying there with powerful F-18, you know, F-18 jets with Tomahawk missiles. And then they got to a thou- maybe like 200 miles before Iraq. And they just looked at themselves and they said, We're not sure we can defeat this man. And they just turned back with all those weapons. How would that look? To look very strange. That's the same way God is looking at us when we are not thanking Him and we are turning back and saying that uh, I don't think we can win. So can you imagine? 
can you imagine people on the street over there? Maybe they only have sticks. And then we carry guns. Submachine guns. AK-47s. And then we look at ourselves and we just say, I'm not sure we can win this battle. Let's turn back. If someone is looking at us from a different perspective, wouldn't that person begin to shake his head? What happened here? That's how the spirit realm looks at people who turn back. They are armed. And yet, they just turn back. Let's go on. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. Then let's quickly run to verse 40. Verse 40 of that same Psalm 78. He says, How often did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand. Did you see that again? Not the day when he delivered them from the enemy. How he had wrought his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoan and had turned their rivers into blood and their floods that they couldn't drink. He sent diverse sorts of flies among them which devoured them and frogs which destroyed them. He gave them he gave also their increase unto the caterpillar and their labor unto the locust. He destroyed their vines with hail and their sycamore trees with frost. He gave up their cattle also to hail and their flocks to hot thunderbolts. He cast upon them the fierceness of his anger, wrath and indignation and trouble by sending evil angels among them. This were the Things God did to the children of Egypt. Then verse 56 and 57. Yet they tempted and provoked the most high God and kept not his testimonies, but turned back and dealt unfaithfully like their fathers. They were turned aside like a deceitful bow. So you see here that any victory that God has given you in the past you should dig it out of the memory bank and begin to thank God for it. And as you do that, supernaturally, your hope will begin to strengthen. He says that they might set their hope in God. That is the reason why when I'm faced with something, before I utter prayers to God, I begin to thank Him. For my own good. Because as I do that, as I recall past victories and say, God, I remember that you did this and this for me in so and so year. You, I remember that you did that and that for me in so and so year. I remember that you did this and this for me in so and so year. And definitely, this situation is small. But if we forget the things that God has done for us, what we will end up doing is magnifying that situation. And if you magnify it, you are going to have a challenge with surmounting it. Hallelujah. I'll give you an analogy. There was a time I, my daughter wanted me to buy something. You know, wanted me to buy something for her. I said, okay. Um, yeah. I said, I think I maybe I promise I, I would buy it but we're at home so when I would not gone to the shops or I, I can't you know accurately remember what the scenario was 
but you know she began to you know express you know like oh uh, some form of anxiety that oh no that um you know when are we going to buy it when when are you going to buy it you know that sort of a thing and i don't know how the conversation progressed but at some point the question was asked she was asked that question that do you think daddy is rich and she said no and why did she say that she said that because in the perspective of the current need that we were discussing she didn't think I was rich do you understand but meanwhile forgot every other thing that have been procured up till that point many times in our relationship with God we forget everything that he had done and we now assess the wealth the the net worth of god based on that one situation that we are facing forgetting the 20 that he had delivered us from hallelujah and that's how the world operates you go to work somewhere and you are you know you are performing you are making money you are doing everything they are all happy the first mistake that you do like this out the door and they forget everything that you have done right up until that day a lot of people too in friendships when once you satisfy them and you meet their needs they are your friends but the first error that you make like this pium, and forget everything that had ever been done right up to that point so many times we assess God based on the current situation. We, we have an image of God that is painted in our hearts based on a current situation, which is wrong. Why? We forgot every other thing that he had done. Hallelujah. We forgot how he kept you healthy. We forgot how every other thing is working good for you but just that one situation out of 20 others you now paint your net worth of God based on that situation hallelujah Amen. that's why you will notice something after God told Moses that rehearsed it in the ears of Joshua. If you remember that scripture we read. Do you know the next thing he did? He built an altar. He built an altar. So what is an altar? An altar is the place. That marks. An altar is a structure that you erect in the Old Testament. Around a place where God manifested himself to you. Hallelujah. So an altar is a memorial. So once you see an altar, you remember that this is where God visited me. This is where God changed my life. This is where God did something very remarkable in my life in the Old Testament. Now in the New Testament, the Bible says that they that you know would worship should worship will them that worship God should worship him in spirit and in truth 
So you are not going to build an, a physical altar in the desert under the New Testament. The altar is inside you. The altar is the memories. The memories that you keep inside your heart. Hallelujah. And do you also... We'll get to that point uh, maybe next week. That Abraham built an altar in chapter 12. And then in chapter 13, he returned to that altar and he prayed. There are other examples in the Old Testament where people returned to the altars that they had built previously to call upon the Lord. So it means that when you want to pray, your altar is your thanksgiving. So you, you, when you want to pray, you first of all start by recalling what God had done in your past. Now when you are recalling what God has done in your past, it means that you have gone back to the altar where God blessed you. Your altar is your thanksgiving. When you are thanking God, you are back to the altar where God blessed you. It is not a physical place that you go to. It is not a stone that you erect in the desert. But it is a place inside your heart reserved for God. Reserved for the memories of what God has done for you. You know, just like people in a relationship, there are places inside their hearts that they reserve for people that are special to them. That no matter what happens, you cannot take those memories out of those places. That is the sort of place where you should keep the things that God has done for you. Hallelujah. So, once God has done something for you, you must begin to construct that altar of thanksgiving in your heart. And you see, when you do that, once you have another challenge, you begin to go to that altar. That altar is that place in your heart. You remember that, oh, I prayed and prayed and spoke the word of God and it was as though it wasn't going to happen. It was as though everything was going to crash and finish and somehow at the nick of time, God got through to me. That from that day, I knew that God is good. God is real. That memory, you should keep it. You should rehearse it both to yourself and to your children. And as often as you do that, once it is time for you to face another challenge and you bring it back, supernaturally, hope will be developed and generated on the inside of you for you to attack that next challenge. Hallelujah. So, rebuilding the altars of God means that you are bringing back the memories of what God has done for you. What has God done for you that is special? What has He done for you that is special? What has He done for you that is memorable? What has He done for you that you that if they take every other thing away from you, you know that this one proves to me that God is real. What is it? Begin to rehearse it. Begin to thank Him for it. And He is expecting you to do that. So that you will be able to set your hope in Him when you are faced with 
the next challenge when you are faced with a higher challenge let me um close with two uh, passages of scriptures hebrews chapter 11 verse 15 hebrews 11 15 and truly hebrews 11 15 and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out they might have had the opportunity to have returned so the bible is saying that if they filled their minds with the thoughts of the country that they were coming from that's it was this was in reference to the children of israel that if they you know when the children of israel were crying in the wilderness and say look we remember we used to eat onions leeks cucumber garlic and those things in egypt that now what is this thing you are giving us to eat so they 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 kept those memories of the kind of food that they were eating and they rehearsed it before moses and we're now saying to moses it was better off that you left us in egypt rather than bring us here so they were mindful of that country so and you see we can also apply this script this scripture positively in our lives which is that if we are mindful of the things that god has done in our past it means that opportunities will be presented to us for those things to repeat themselves again opportunities will be presented to us for us to return every now and then into those miracles if your mind is filled with the miracle that god did for you in the past opportunities will arise in your situations where you will be able to reproduce those miracles again hallelujah that is what the people the disciples forgot that this is what they missed out after the miracle of the loaves they didn't jesus said they, the, the bible says they didn't consider the miracle of the loaves they didn't pay attention let me tell you one other thing that happens when you are thanking God and you are rehearsing your victories. God also begins to explain those victories to you. He will explain to you that remember when you were speaking the word, this is what was going on. This is what I was shaping up for you. This is what I was doing. When so and so happened, this is what I was doing for you. He will begin to explain that victory to you. And by the time he explains that victory to you, as you are thanking him, once the next challenge come, your hope will be stronger. Many Christians, there are things that they have experienced before in their Christianity, five years ago, ten years ago, and they can't see those experiences anymore. You know why? They did not consider those things. They forgot they didn't rehearse them. They didn't talk about them. They despised those things. And those things fizzled out. So you run into a Christian. And the Christian will be telling you, Oh, I remember those days. Oh, ah, we used to see miracles. So why are you not seeing them today again? And that person, when that person is talking to you, that person will think that he is being spiritual, telling you that in those days we used to see miracles and now we don't see them again. No. You are falling. Because you are supposed to see more as the days go by. The Bible says the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more 
unto the perfect day. So if you are saying those good old days where I know I used to be able to speak the word and you know the sick will just arise. Why are you not seeing the sick arise today again? It's because you did not consider those miracles again. And they just dried out. Hallelujah. Let's read the second um, uh, the second passage again that will validate to us all over again why God expects us to always keep in our memories, in the forefront of our minds, the victories that He wrought for us. Deuteronomy chapter 7, we'll read verses 14 to 19 as we begin to round up. It says, Thou shalt be blessed, Deuteronomy 7, 14 to 19. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. And thou shalt consume all the people which the Lord thy God shall deliver thee. Thine eye shall have no pity upon them, neither shalt thou serve their gods, for that, for that will be a snare unto thee. Verse 17 If thou shalt say in thine heart, These nations are more than I, how can I dispossess them. Let us stop there. God has helped you to defeat nation A. God has helped you to defeat nation B. Now you are looking at nation C and you forgot what he did to nation A and nation B on your behalf. And you now say that, ah, Lord, this nation C, they are too much for us. Oh. God says, how can I dispossess them? So it means that whatever you think is bigger than you, God is powerless against. And the way you will despise that opposition is to recall what he did to nation A. That, ah, I remember how God finished nation A. Abba. Then recall what he did to nation B. Ah, I remember how God finished nation B. And then say, ah, look, look, look. Uh, nation A, they fell like this. Nation B, they fell like this. Nation C, in front, you also go the same way. The God who delivered us from nation A and nation B will definitely finish nation C. But God is saying, if you think in your mind that nation C is greater than you, then how am I going to dispossess them? And the way to come against this evil thinking is for us to recall what he did in our past to nation A and nation B. Let's read on. Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but shalt well remember. Did you see that again? Remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. Are you catching that now? Yes. He says, if these people make you scared, just cast your mind back to what I did 
to Pharaoh and Egypt. So you see that your thanksgiving, your rehearsal of past victories is tied to your successful victory for today. If you don't remember what he did to Egypt and to Pharaoh, you cannot defeat the nations that are in front of you today. So God gave them the answer. I mean, God is so merciful. He is so great. See what? He, didn't, he gave them simple answer. That, look, if you think these guys are bigger than you, how can I dispossess them? But in case you have that problem, cast your mind back to what I did to Pharaoh and Egypt. Just cast your mind back. So if we are faced with a challenge today, let us cast our minds back to what God did. Hallelujah. And then we will stop there for today. Hallelujah. Did you get something today? That the things that God have done God has done in your past, they are not to be despised. They are to be cherished. They are treasures. They are things that you you have to recall when you are faced with the next battle. Even before the next battle comes, make it a habit. That's why anytime I want to start praying, I flood my memory with things that God has done for me in the past. And I begin to thank Him first. I just begin to thank Him. Say, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. I begin to sing songs of thanksgiving. I begin to rehearse what God has done. Hallelujah. When I feel something in my body, I begin to rehearse that Lord, I remember at so and so time you healed me of this. I remember that at so and so time I was healed of that. I remember that at so and so day I was healed of this. Therefore, this one also shall go the same way with these other ones I am recounting. Hallelujah. Your first victory, especially, is your reference point. If God has ever done something in your life that you consider a miracle, it means that the seed of every other miracle you can ever think of and you can ever require, you have it in your hand. Just begin to rehearse it. When it says rehearse, it means you continually say it. You, you continually say it to yourself. You continually say it to yourself. I listen to some preachers and I just across like 16 tapes, they rehearse the same testimony. God raised my son from the dead. God raised my son from the dead. God raised my son from the dead. They keep rehearsing it. That was Andrew Womack. And I, and, and I listened to another tape again. He rehearsed it. That God raised my son from the dead. And guess what? He said within his ministry alone, close to about is it 16 or 18 people have been raised from the dead. Why? He keeps rehearsing it. So what you rehearse will reproduce itself in your life. You give it an opportunity for it to be reproduced in your life. So if you rehearse your miracles, your miracles will reproduce. <laughs> 